Welcome to Rebel Radio, the place to be for healers, coaches, and changemakers who are seeking answers, hungry for impact, and open to possibilities. Join us for casual and epic conversations for the healers and coaches willing to do what it takes to activate their limitless wealth through the power of unity consciousness and quantum numerology. The key to claiming your personal power, activating your purpose, and creating infinite possibility in your world. I am so excited for yet another epic Rebel Radio conversation with my brand new friend, Morgana. Welcome to the show. I am so grateful that you're here today. I am excited to be here. You and I are both kind of dancing and bouncing. We can just feel the energy already. I love it. So before we went live, I shared a little bit of your numerology, and I'm curious what stood out to you about what I shared with you? Well, I've always been a slightly unsatisfied four. Four <laughs> just, you know, it just seems so earthbound and practical. It's everything that I've resented about being pegged as a Capricorn, where, mm -hmm. you know, the horoscope says, let your hair down Capricorn. And I'm like, let it down from what already? Come on. <laughs> so when you put it in the perspective of, okay, I'm like this boring builder, empire building four, but I'm also this seven of spades, which has a lot to do with wisdom and teaching and working with the invisible realm and also bringing it into practical perspective. Like, okay. All right. I can live with that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And you know, you're not the only one who finds out their ruling number and goes, ah, I don't know if I like that very much. And then you hear the other side of your numerology and then all of a sudden it opens wide up. Well, and we were talking about how, yeah, I like my talent is making the invisible visible and I am 24 seven. I'm clairaudient, clairsentient, claircognizant, clairvoyant, and whatever the smelling thing I always forget that name and and i've always been built that way and i know things before they happen i know i can hear some what somebody's going to say before they say it very very often especially when i'm coaching i know things and i don't know that i shouldn't know or i you know that's just kind of built into how i am especially mm -hmm. after a car accident catastrophic car accident that i haven't had in 1983 honestly i was already kind of spooky, intuitive, weird anyway, but I was also this incredible straight A student and it was, you know, I worked hard, but frankly, getting good grades and, and thinking and doing homework was pretty easy for me comparatively, mm -hmm. you know, until the head injury. Right. And then everything that I took for granted about myself was gone. Like my ability to think, to concentrate, to read a page without falling asleep, to retain information, to understand subtext, all the stuff that I had defined myself by as a high school student mm -hmm. was like no longer available to me, which was a really humbling experience and kind of a Buddhist experience of impermanence. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's all on loan. And while I was struggling to build back my brain and my life, Mm -hmm. my intuition just sort of burst open maybe to compensate. And I just started knowing things and I started having 
my first like really like neon non-dualistic experiences while writing term papers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. Look, it, I, I did well enough, even with this catastrophic head injury and learning disability to go to a top East Coast college where I majored in religion. <laughs> mm, oh wow fascinating like all that all that like educational money to get a degree in religion studying the most obscure esoteric tantric you know traditions of east and western asia you know it was fun mm -hmm. it seemed really impractical at the time and i use it all the time i was just from a very young age fascinated by what we humans believe and just questioning even as a child what are we what is uh, this universe we live in and how do we have a better experience and how can i help yeah. and that's you know that's kind of what i do today oh i love that so much i love that that's one of my favorite questions of of all time really is how can i help and I think that's just such a powerful question when you're coming from a place of service and not rescuing. I think that's important too. And that's, <laughs> and, but for us do-gooders and empaths, that mm -hmm. is the biggest distinction in the world because yes. we can feel other people's pain as if it's our own. And then we, and this is, this is the big line in the sand is mm -hmm. we have to respect the person in front of us as being as old a soul as we are, if you think and use terms like that, if you don't, there you just have to respect that the person in front of you is an adult on their journey yeah. and you are not the only capable person in the room. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. I love that so much. So tell us a little bit about the work that you do in the world, the labels, tell us the things. Okay. Well, it's, <laughs> The biggest cosmic joke that I have been world famous for about 20 years. I've been coaching life and business success coach for almost 30 years now, starting in the entertainment industry with, you know, celebrity clients, writers, directors, producers, movie stars, and all that kind of stuff. And something shifted about 20 years ago. And my focus and what I became famous for was working with relationship with money in a way that nobody had ever done before. Mm -hmm. And, and it came out of my own like really epic failure. <laughs> Usually does. Yep. Get paid, right. And yeah. I did everything. I took every class on marketing and sales. I had mountains of celebrity testimonials. I had the tagline and the brochures and the business cards and the public speaking and tons of people who wanted to hire me. Mm -hmm. And I also had what I would describe as superpowers of money repulsion. Mm. So to tell you how bad it was with the Ivy League education, with the half dozen coaching certifications, with celebrity clients, really dramatic success stories of all these people who had no credits, who now had TV series and had sold their films and winning awards. And I was living in Los Angeles and at my low point. I was struggling to make $100 a month. Wow. Beat that. Well, I can't. It's, thank you. <laughs> Do you hear? <laughs> and, oh, and in my spare time, I'm competitive too. So, um, 
<laughs> I didn't notice at all. Yeah, no, like really don't. I share that because wherever you are and how bad you feel, I really, I'm like coming from total honesty here. I just, I want you to know that change is possible, you know, and, and that's why I share, you know, where I come from. And I'm also really, truly going to share with you as much of the how to change that damn mouth problem. Just a moment. Change that dynamic as much as possible in the little itty bitty time we have together. I don't expect you to master something as big as relationship with money and whatever the 20, 30 minutes we have. But I'm going to talk really, really fast. <laughs> and I'm going to give you as many secrets as I can. So I'm going to start with my story to illustrate the process, and then I'll break it down into steps. All right. For the the you know linear and non-linear thinkers, because we're all a bit of both. So here I was, and that was really kind of my breaking point. Was I had just taken this class on overcoming sales objections. So here's the thing: not only am I not making money. But I'm still spending money on coaches and classes and flying out of town every two weeks to get more coaching certifications, which is insane. So it's not just the money I'm not making, but the more money that I'm spending to solve the problem. And everybody's making a promise, do this. And I would do this. And I would do it really well. Because even as, you know, a catastrophic brain injury person, I still graduated as a National Merit Scholar because I know how to study. I just couldn't make money and it didn't matter that I did everything I was told to do. So I took my Hail Mary, like my last chance was I was going to take this class on overcoming sales objections where they give you the magic words of what to say if somebody says, I can't afford it or I don't have time. And I was a good student and I learned the magic air quotes words and I used them and presto. Seven people in a row, I overcame their objections and they said yes to hiring me. Mm -hmm. And seven people in a row didn't show up for the first call and never paid. There you go. And that was when I lost my will to live. And I can sound like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. Like I was so exhausted from everything that I had tried. And I felt so unwanted and so uh, broken and defective. Mm -hmm. I felt, I just, I felt rejected and it felt so unfair. You know, I was like a lawyer, daughter of a lawyer with all of my evidence of everything I had done and why the results should be different. And, and And I felt like the universe just said, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Bucky, red-haired stepchild, we don't want you, you know? <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was just, it felt so cruel mm-hmm. that, you know, I had a gift and I had a talent and I knew, I finally, after all these years of searching, I knew what I was good at and, and I was getting these results and so fucking what? Right. By the way, thank you for letting me curse. It's one of my great joys. Oh, yes. It's rough. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I just, when I, when the, I got stood up by that last person, I just freaked out. And I, I remember pulling the shades closed in my little teeny tiny bedroom that I couldn't afford, getting on my bed, lying down and screaming. 
screaming and raging and and just crying, crying my heart out. Just what's the point of being alive if you can't support yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, like how much I the the well had run dry. I couldn't borrow any more money. So how was I going to live? And 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 add to that that shame of telling people that you can help them with their lives. And I had this big shameful secret. Right. Right. And yeah. I could. But it didn't matter. And it and it was just like I didn't know what to do. And I cried and I cried and I cried until I was just empty of crying. And it was in that moment that two thoughts occurred to me. One was maybe money needed to be my next area of spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that is such a cheat when you're from Southern California because like spirituality is like drinking water here. Actually, it's easier. <laughs> There's more spirituality than water, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and I was just like, well, if I hide, if I had spirituality in, in, or if I had money in the spirituality box, maybe I can, you know, deal with it. Um, and the other thing, which was I think actually more useful, was I got curious, like, what the fuck was going on inside of me that couldn't be with money? Because mm -hmm. it didn't make sense. And by the way, this is really important. And I'm going to pause for a moment on this one piece is if you ever, ever, ever find yourself in a situation. And since you're human, I would expect you will. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you are knocking yourself out and you're doing all the steps over and over and over again, and you're doing everything you're supposed to do to get a certain result, whether it's with money or looking for a job or finding your life partner or getting over some chronic illness, whatever it is. And you're seeing the doctors and you're taking the classes and you're reading the books and you're taking the actions and all that stuff. And it isn't changing. It is my experience coaching thousands of people over the last three decades. It is my experience first with myself and then seeing the same thing with all these other people. There is a very high likelihood that on some level, you are actually protecting yourself from what you're pursuing. Mm. And I say that with the utmost respect and compassion, because mm -hmm. the first thing I want you to know is you are not a loser. You are not a failure. This is not your fault. Yes. Like no victim blaming here. And there's way too much of that bullshit in the personal development world. Yeah. You know? I agree. High vibes yeah. only. Um, <laughs> no, sometimes Just horrible things. Right. No, fuck that. Gratitude actually is super duper useful in its place. Yes. The right time and the right place. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but if you're suffering, we have to we have to address that first before we put the gratitude bandaid on it. Yeah. And this is the thing. It's like um, if you put a bandaid on a wound, the infection will go inward. Mm -hmm. uh, and quick story. Years ago, I, I brought my college cat home <laughs> and and this poor my poor little beastie freaked out and bit my hand. Mm. And I immediately put a Band-Aid on it. Mm -hmm. Kids, don't try that at home. <laughs> what happens is within 
a few minutes, my hand and my arm started to go numb and I had a black line crawling up my arm. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness I thought to call the, the hospital because if that line had reached my heart, I would have been dead. I had blood poisoning. So what we do when we have a poisonous wound is we want to suck out the poison. We want to extract it before before we use the affirmations and the gratitude. And I'm a big fan of gratitude yes. and all that kind of stuff. And we'll bring that back. But for this process, you want to take off your positive thinking hat in the beginning and put on your victim hat. And feel and your feelings. Feel your feelings. <laughs> and make them bigger, make them worse. Mm -hmm. Not so much that you abuse yourself or, or dissociate or re-traumatize yourself. We are not here to cause harm. But you've already had stuff happen in your life that shouldn't have happened. Just like things happen in the world and we can get really philosophical for it. And I can totally argue every side of the story. I've got a degree in religion after all. Uh, <laughs> but for our purpose, you know, children get abused and they get rejected and, 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 and things happen, we get our heart broken, we get lied to, we do things that we regret and feel ashamed of. There are mm -hmm. parts of ourselves that we reject. Yeah. There's all of that, draw on whatever has any pain energy for you. And that's the first step. And I'll tell you why, because it's like, wait a second, this is Morgana, you're supposed to be a money coach. Obviously I don't script anything, so I have to take a couple steps back. <laughs> Because I was telling my story and then I got off track and I started teaching, going in theory. I'm jumping back. It happens. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's the thing about money. I know that there are a lot of coaches out there who love to say, change your money story, change your life, which by the way, is great marketing copy. It's also bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I only say that because it's never worked with the many thousands of clients that I've coached over many years. If it works for you, do it. That is always, that's always my disclaimer. Do the fuck whatever works for you. Yes. Take what you like from me and use that and leave the rest. So what I have found is where change does begin is with what money represents. It's the root cause. Money is the symptom. It's not the cause. Yes. So the root cause of all your money dramas. And that means if you don't have enough. Because why do I like, you know, playing and focusing with money is because money is the number one excuse that human beings use mm -hmm. for anything we can't have, do or be. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's true if you have nothing. And that's true if you're a billionaire, because I have coached all the extremes. Mm -hmm. And clients with billions and hundreds of millions and tens of millions and millions of dollars have drama and heartache and fear and anxiety and bad relationships and lifestyle issues and, so and <laughs> legacy questions, all the same stuff. Yeah. Are they good enough? Are they failures? You know, that's, that's why oligarchs are out there who can never have enough because they're compensating. So we want to get to the real core issues so that your experience of money and life is radically different and abundant and loving and safe. Mm 
So whenever I talk about relationship with money, you, you can secretly substitute life because money is just a pain door into your relationship with life. So let's, where do, do I want to go back to my story or do I want to go to steps? And I am feeling like I'll go back to story. Okay, so here I am, superhero of, of financial failure with the giant like R on my chest for my powers of money, money repulsion and seven people in a row said they would hire me and they didn't show up and I fell off the cliff. And then I had a call with my coach, which is crazy because I didn't have enough money for rent, but I still had, you know, I still had a coach. <laughs> and that saved my life, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Not immediately, like this poor guy, you know, was coaching me for months and I would do everything he said. And he was a, he was a peer of mine. We graduated and got certified at the same time. I just really thought he was kind of brilliant. So, but nothing was happening until I came to that call in that ginormous abyss of despair. Mm -hmm. And instead of like coming up with ideas and solutions and what I should do next, he asked me the most weird ass question I'd ever heard in my life. And that's what changed my life and set me on this course. And he, and this is where you want to lean in. I'm leaning in. He asked me, if your relationship with money was a person, mm. who would your money be? I love that. Yeah, I relate money to person all the time. I love that question. And fortunately for me, I was in so much pain and anxiety and despair that I saw my money monster instantly without any effort. Mm -hmm. And this is important because what I'm teaching you is what I call financial alchemy. Alchemy specifically is the transmutation of lead, like lead in human experience into gold, spiritual and material. So we're taught we want to create maximum polarity. There's no magic and neutrality. If you've got a little bit of gold and a little bit of lead, you, you're kind of stuck in what I call money mud and nothing changes. So that's why I say we start by putting on your victim hat. Mm -hmm. you know, I was already there, so I didn't have to dig for it. Right. So when he asked me that question, instantly I saw who my money was in that moment. And that and 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 I'm not even a good visualizer. Like, please never ask me to sit by imagine sitting by a river because I'll spend 45 minutes deciding which river. But in that moment, <laughs> he asked me, Who is your money? And I saw this big, scary, dirty, violent biker who terrified me. Mm. Like tall with the big sideburns and the white feeder shirt and the tattoos. Nothing wrong with bald tattooed bikers and like you know a lot of them are super sweeties this one was really really bad like all bad mm -hmm. dangerous to me and i could feel it in every cell of my being and that's really important part of the problem with change your money story change your life is it's just like intellectual masturbation <laughs> it's not it's not connected to your body and your heart we want to light up your neurology this yeah. is neuroplasticity Miss Brain Injury Girl is like obsessed with brain science. So you want to have a full body experience of like everything that's wrong. And then you want to see the root cause as a person. Mm 
because that mm -hmm. makes it real and not abstract. Mm -hmm. We have experiences with people. So we can say, oh, money is the root of all evil or money doesn't grow on trees and blah, 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 blah. And it's like all fascinating, but it doesn't change shit. Yep. But if you've ever had a bad boyfriend that you got rid of, that's real. So we Harry. want, right? So we, we want a person, a person who you can smell. Mm -hmm. you know, and you can feel the badness and you can hear the horrible things he says to you and the horrible things he wants to do with you. And he's all bad. He is not your parent and he is not a part of you because you have to get rid of him. Right. And uh, given decades of helping people get rid of their money monsters, I recommend that you get rid of your monster by the most dramatically bloody, gory, violent. And I, by the way, I speak to an audience of love and light vegans, right? And I'm right. saying, you know, gut it like a fish. The yeah. <laughs> Leave no bloody bits. Flamethrower mm -hmm. be mine. You know, just whatever you have to do because you're making a choice. Only one of the one of you gets to survive. You are the monster. The monster will destroy you eventually. Mm. The monster embodies everything that makes worth not makes your life not worth living. Makes you feel not worthy. Mm -hmm. uh, and you get to reject everything that you don't want in your life experience when you slay your money monster by any means necessary. It's imagination. Go to Game of Thrones Town and <laughs> yes. finish it off, right? <laughs> just get the dragon going and just slay the fucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, when I saw this biker, it was really clear. For the first time in my life, my financial situation made sense. Because mm -hmm. while I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing and intellectually consciously i mean obviously i knew why i needed money because yeah. you need it you yeah do. yeah but while i was doing all the right things consciously unconsciously everything in me was creating distance yeah. for good reason yeah to keep you safe to keep me safe i didn't um, you know it's it's imaginary, but it's also real. Like your subconscious keeps track of every wound, every danger, and is working 24 seven, awake and asleep, is always looking out for you. So if you're pushing money away or you're pushing love away or you're pushing anything away and it's breaking your heart and driving you crazy, just know that you are on your team. Yeah. You're just not communicating with your team in a language that your unconscious is receptive to. And that's exactly what, why we make the monster all bad, really big, very personal, and we destroy it. Because this is how we communicate with your unconscious. And we're lighting up your neurology to rewire your brain. Mm -hmm. So that everything you do moving forward is in alignment and in integrity. It's like with, with self-respect and self-love, you're not warring with yourself. So we 
kill the monster and it's gone. And when it's gone, it will feel different than anything you've experienced in your life. That's how you know. It can feel wee high, you know, open, light, spacious. It can feel scary. All of that's good. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just listening for distance. That's the end of step three of six steps. Don't worry. The next ones are way easier and more fun. <laughs> this now, now it's the fun part. So when the monster is gone, when I got rid of my biker, because it was really clear to me that there was no way that I could have money in my life if it was this biker, he had to be gone. So he was gone. And I was like, whoa, this is so weird. Because I never knew until this moment that he was there. And now that he's gone, I can feel the emptiness. And honestly, at that moment, this was before I had reverse engineered it, figured out the steps, figured out how to make it work for other people. So I just was you know, crazy lucky. Uh, but I was so aware of the emptiness that I was like, crap, I need a new relationship with money before the monster comes back. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a new problem, which is kind of, you know, a life motif of, yay, I got what I want. Fuck. I got what I wanted. You know, <laughs> new problem. Monster gone. I have no relationship with money and I live in LA. So I had to ask myself, well, who could I want in my life so much that I'd be willing to overlook that it also happens to be money? And when I asked myself that question, being the ridiculous romantic fool that I am, I instantly saw this tall, dark, handsome, romantic sweetheart, the complete opposite. He felt safe and gorgeous and loving and yummy and in love with me and wanted to woo me. And he was dressed to the nines in a tuxedo and showed up carrying a bouquet of red flowers. Like he was going to take me out to the theater. Mm -hmm. And I could feel how much he wanted to be with me. And I could also feel how much I had been breaking his heart. Mm. And that, that was a real aha moment for me because all my life I thought money was the, the decider. Right. That money was the gatekeeper and it was always me. Here's a clue. I'm the one in the relationship with the body. So yes. I, <laughs> I have the power. So I never knew that it was always me rejecting money mm -hmm. until that moment. And, and I could feel how much he wanted to be with me. And I realized I didn't have a clue how to allow money to be with me. I was so train to push it away unconsciously. So here's the great thing about when money is this hot, sexy sweetheart who's madly in love with you and chooses you over everybody in the world and is safe and worthy of your deepest admiration. You can talk to him yeah. or her or them. Mm -hmm. I'm using him because mine is a him. Right. But it, I have, I have coached every gender and every preference, and it really doesn't matter. You pick the flavor that lights you up. Yes. So, I ask mine, "What do you need from me so you can stay with me?" Mm -hmm. And and love is unconditional. Your new relationship with money, what I call your money, honey. <laughs> your money, honey. I love your that. Your money, honey. Mm-hmm. Is love embodied. I call it money because money was the area of life that needed my love and healing the most. Yeah. 
And I believe it is an area of life that needs humanity's love and healing the most for us to survive. Mm -hmm. So your money, honey's love is unconditional. That's a given. His presence is not. And that's true in every relationship. I can love somebody who is bad for me to be around. Mm-hmm. I can love somebody deeply and unconditionally from a distance. My presence is conditional. Same yeah. with money. So if you reject money and, or if you reject or abuse yourself, these are behaviors that are very likely to push money away. Mm-hmm. If you see money going away, it isn't that it, it's honestly, it's just a great opportunity to like wake up and go, oh, what's going on in this relationship? Do I have a monster? How have, have I stopped listening to my money, honey? Do I need a new money, honey? You know, it's it's really it's just part of evolution. Um, yeah. I'm not like claiming this is a silver bullet. Do it once in, you know, billionaire for life. <laughs> You're healed. Healed. <laughs> We're gone of God. You're healed. Okay. Um, it doesn't work that way. No. <laughs> that's not what you're here for. You're here to evolve and grow and positively impact the planet. Yeah. And uh, in, in, in including yourself as part of the planet. Yeah. Uh, so I realized in that moment that my money, honey, wanted to be with me and I needed to learn how to, how to make that happen. So I asked, and the great thing is when you ask, you get an answer mm-hmm. and you're getting, you're getting an answer that is free of all of your neuroses and fears and bullshit because it's coming from this entity who loves you and you're seeing yourself through the eyes of love, which is mm-hmm. really healing, not just for your relationship with money, but all of oh, your relationships really, really common for love relationships to like suddenly heal people attract their soulmates or their marriages that were falling apart, kind of fall back together. Illnesses have healed like dramatically because it's all holistic. It's all like I'm using the money as the pain door into kind of really your chain, your, this chamber that is your your whole relationship with existence. So I never know what's going to happen or when, but it's really cool to get the emails that come in like daily. <laughs> right. So, so I asked my money, honey, what he needed from me, and he responded, "I need you to love me, and I need you to stop treating me like a monster." That was our first conversation. Great. And what does that mean, and what does that look like? So we had a conversation, and. We came to an agreement that next time he brought me a gift, instead of going, ew, like it was some icky, awful <laughs> thing, um, I would say thank you. Oh, right. <laughs> right? Wow, what a concept. <laughs> so this is what happened. Was within 24 hours, all these people came out of the woodwork and wanted to hire me. Mm-hmm. And I could feel in my body just almost like, vomit just wanted to say all the things that would push them away because I was so used to that. But I had this awareness that I promised, I promised this cute guy that I wasn't going to reject him, that I was going to say thank you. So I did the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. 
I shut up. <laughs> uh huh. I, they asked me what I charged. I told them what I charged with kind of the energy of it. And isn't he dreamy? Mm-hmm. And then I shut the fuck up and let them decide. And I swear to you, four people hired me at double what I'd ever charged before. And they just kept coming and coming and coming. And I had literally made and kept millions of dollars yeah. in this time. And then 10 years after I changed my relationship with money, I was, you know, doing an interview sort of like this. And I'm saying things like, if you find yourself doing everything you're supposed to be doing and you aren't getting results, you're protecting yourself from what you want. And I had a moment of, oh, fuck. <laughs> that sounds like my love life because I, for years, I've been, I've been looking, I've been looking for my Disney Prince Charming, my knight in shining armor since I chased Brian Patterson under the piano on his fifth birthday. And Brian was the older man. <laughs> Atta girl. And when I was 45, back in 2012, um, I, finally relented and decided, fuck, I'm going to have to do this with love. So I did step one and I uncovered, you know, what is the root cause? What am I, why am I protecting myself from love? And I dug up a love monster bigger than any money monster I have ever had or encountered with any of my clients. This love monster was so huge and so deadly. Like it was clear that that this monster used love to break my heart in order to kill me. And I made a decision to slay that monster. And I met my husband two months later. Mm. I love that. And I had never been married before. Mm -hmm. And we are currently 26 weddings deep into getting married 100 times in 100 countries, which is 100% his idea. I saw that on your Instagram. I was going to ask you about that. I recommend it. I told everybody should do it who wants to. I I kept telling countries. I kept whining to the universe. I want to travel the world with the love of my life. Why? You know, I want to. I was like speaking on stages in Oslo and Sydney and everywhere in between, and it was so freaking lonely to like go to these beautiful places by myself. And I just kept whining. By the way, I'm a big proponent of you know the the manifestation powers of whining. Um, <laughs> and I just kept telling the universe and. So when he showed up, he his his handle on OKCupid was was what was it travel guy, mm-hmm. which was my first clue. And so yeah, I do. I travel the world with the love of my life, getting married in every country we go to. That's so fun! Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, thank you for sharing your process. And I think you know, as a divine timing coach, I could hear the stages of divine timing as you were walking through that. It's really cool to witness that through story. So, thank you for sharing that with us. I I know that my audience is going to absolutely love this episode, but I want to ask you a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. That Rebel Radio, our audience loves to know the answers. So, number one. What does unity consciousness mean to you? Oh, I love that. Okay, so for me, the first place I go is integrity, which is probably my highest value. And integrity literally means oneness. 
So the first place for unity consciousness is getting into agreement within yourself Mm -hmm. and knowing that you have like infinite perspectives and personalities within yourself. They are all ultimately existing to protect the host, which is you. But sometimes parts of you are, you know, came up to respond and protect you from injuries when you were really young. And now they aren't doing a really good job of keeping you safe. So they are not the enemy. They just need to, they they just need to be reintegrated. And so unity absolutely belongs, you know, begins with you. Unity does not mean agreeing with everybody on earth. Mm-hmm. But it also does mean committing to uh, the ultimate well-being yeah. of all sentient beings on Earth. Like, how do we create a more sustainable, kind, friendly environment? I love that so much. Thank you. Yes, it does begin with us because if we're not helping ourselves, we're not helping anybody. Yeah. I love that. All right. So the next question, as a money coach, especially, I really want to know your answer to this. What does wealth mean to you? Mm. Okay. Having lots of money is is great. (laughs) I recommend it. (laughs) And... We all, right, we all know some people with a lot of cash who are lonely and miserable and lots of other things. And I, they may be labeled wealthy. I call it a very high level of poverty. Mm -hmm. My, I measure wealth by the quality of love, lifestyle, and legacy. Ooh, yeah. Registered trademark. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, you know, that that is really, truly, that is how I believe that the whole purpose of money, the only true purpose of money is to serve love, lifestyle, and legacy. And anything else becomes problematic. Mm. Um. Years ago, a friend of mine in the UK took a class in ancient Aramaic, which was the original language of the Old Testament Bible. And she shared with me that in the original language, that passage, we all know the love of money is the root of all evil, did not say that at all. That is a very late English language political translation. Yeah. The first translation actually said something closer to the worship of money will cause you problems. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody here would say no shit. <laughs> right. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, whether you believe in God or not, don't, you know, don't make money your God. It's, yes. you know, no false idols. Don't eat. It's uh Worshipping money is not in any way love. I think I mentioned the first thing my money said to me is I want you to love me. So uh, I think it's really important to state that love is never evil. Love 
does not cause harm, does not exploit, is not scarcity-based, is not envious. It's, it's generous. Like love is always, and we know what that feels like. It's generous. It's kind of like this overflowing kind of selfless, happy, safe, caring about the other, our best selves quality to it. And that is all love ever is. Anything else is something else. So when we say love, and I, and I like to say, you know, make more money by putting love first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I really, really mean it. The more loving you are, loving towards yourself, loving to what you value, the people and the principles, the more, the more you help, the happier you make your money, honey. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, extra tip, money likes to have fun. Oh, I can vouch for that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh my gosh. I could talk to you all day long. I want to have you back on the show again because anytime this is a great conversation, but as always, we end the show with one last question. Okay. What do you dream of for the world? Wow. It's such a big question right now. Um, I obviously kind of tackle it by, you know, individuals rippling out. So I have this dream that as more and more and more people feel safe with the world, loved, good enough, safe and powerful in their own right, they do more good and they spread more good. And then we will have this world where people look out for each other, Mm -hmm. where it's not just freedom and F you and, you know, where we really do like, collaborate yeah competition is really fun in its place Mm -hmm. but not when it's coming from feeling inadequate and by you know going back to the unity question that is why that is the most important work in life is to get one with yourself because when you're not you cause damage Mm doesn't mean be perfect. Nobody, nobody achieves perfection while we're breathing. Wait, what? No, I'm just kidding. That's not the goal. But the goal is to continually get to integrate more and more and more. Yeah. And to have those moments of like, I feel really good with myself and the world. I see all the shit that needs to be done. Yeah. And I can approach it not from a place of having to prove my worthiness. I can approach it from a place of, I want to do good. Yes. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I so appreciate you and your energy and your story. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for another epic episode of Rebel Radio. If you feel so inspired and wish to expand the message of unity consciousness, please share this episode, leave a review, and of course, if you want to know how to leverage this information in your own life and business, check out our website or contact us for more information. It is time for us all to seize our personal power, come into unity, and create massive impact together. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.